0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. Our guest this week is Dr. William Davis. He is author, most famously, uh, of, a, of the international bestseller, Wheat Belly. But we are going to be talking about not only what, uh, what we learned from Wheat Belly, but also about his newest book, Super Gut, which is all about uh, the bacteria that we have growing in our gut and, and the implications that that has uh, on our whole body. Uh, from our brain to our skin, uh, every, everything and everything in between, you know, your mood, all of that, and how to rebuild that gut bacteria. So here, without further ado, is my interview with Dr. William Davis. <laughs> Dr. William Davis, author of, well, author of like the international, world-renowned bestseller, Wheat Belly, uh, and of course, the new book, most importantly, Super Gut, a four-week plan to reprogram your microbiome, restore health, and lose weight. Thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thrilled to be here! Uh,
0: all right, well let's let's dive into this. So, your first book, Wheat Belly, was sort of ahead of the paleo and keto world, uh, like that 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 movement of of cutting out grains out of our diet uh, and and kind of change turn turn some some traditional like literally turned the food pyramid on its head. Uh, let's just start with like a quick primer on and kind of what brought that, what brought that up to prominence and, and why wheat belly was such a was such a uh, why why it was such a a big success and such a phenomenon
1: well i think because it worked People, when they heard the actual rationale behind it and they tried it, they saw phenomenal things happen. I th- and there are several reasons for that, yet One of the reasons is that there's a protein in modern wheat. And I say modern wheat because what we're being sold today is nothing like traditional strains of wheat. Sure. It doesn't look the same. It's genetically different. It's biochemically unique. And so one of the effects is this protein that they altered in numerous experiments called gliadin. And humans just don't have the enzymes, the digestive enzymes that break down the proteins in seeds of grasses. That's what wheat and grains are. And so while we can break down the protein, say, in an egg into its constituent amino acids, you can't Mm -hmm. do that with the proteins in grains. So we break them down to fragments or peptides. And some of these peptides from that protein, the gliadin protein, have opioid properties on the human brain. They don't make you high. They stimulate appetite. It makes a lot of people become incessantly hungry. These are the people, for instance, who have a big bowl of pasta. They're filled to bursting, and they're still hungry. That's a very unnatural response.
0: You're describing me at every family dinner, but yeah.
1: (laughs) So when you get rid of that collection of opioid peptides, that stimulate appetite, you are miraculously freed of appetite. You may have breakfast, say, at 7 a.m., maybe three eggs and some sausage, and you probably won't want to eat till no sooner than three, maybe five, six p.m. In other words, that hold every two hour you're hungry is nonsense. Mm. It's all due to the appetite-stimulating effects of the gliadin protein. There's other components that that have been changed. For instance, the wheat germ agglutinin protein it sounds like gluten, but it's unrelated. Wheat mm-hmm. germ agglutinin is a very toxic compound to the human gastrointestinal tract. But it has been markedly enriched in strains of wheat because it provides uh, pest resistance to the farmer. Mm. It keeps insects and molds away from the wheat plant. And so they enriched wheat germ gluten by selecting strains that had higher content, not recognizing they were concentrating this very potent bowel toxin. And there's some other factors in modern wheat and grains that when people banish these things from their lives, they are freed not just of appetite, but also weight, high blood sugars, mm-hmm. many times autoimmune conditions, depression, anxiety. And that's when I started to see the absolute shift, the change in, land, in landscape of health when people banish this thing that is recommended by all government agencies, doctors, Re- recommended
0: to be the majority of your diet. I mean, you that's look at right. you look at the food pyramid, and that the biggest the biggest staple. Uh, is is that wheat that wheat and grains staple, uh, and and we, we repurpose it in a variety of ways. So there's obviously there's bread, but you know cereal is just versions of that, um, with with certain exceptions being oat based, like uh, Cheerios for example. But but it, it's insane. It's insane how much we're we're supposed to be eating that, and then uh, and the and the kind of metabolic stuff that you're talking about, the metabolic disease that that that, that follows.
1: You know, if they got it right, Gib, and they, said, and they said something like this, instead of saying have healthy whole grains at every meal, every snack, what if they instead said, we're not sure this stuff changed by agribusiness and genetics research sure. is appropriate and safe for human consumption. Then you and I wouldn't have anything to talk about. But they got it so colossally wrong by urging us to pack our diet filled with these things. Mm-hmm. But then the g- great news here is when people recognize this blunder they made and take it out of the human diet, spectacular things happen.
0: hmm Mm. Uh, so, I mean, should we be finding uh, heirloom grains, or 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 is the big thesis of wheat belly that we just need to cut out grain in general uh, for, for the foreseeable future?
1: So they took something that was somewhat harmful to humans and made it much worse. If we look back at what the anthropologists tell us and ask, what happened to the first humans who consumed ancestral forms of wheat, such as sure. einkorn wheat, that's pre-biblical times, or emmer wheat of the Bible? Mm-hmm. There was an explosion in knee arthritis, there were multiple deficiencies, especially of iron, and there was other diseases that emerged, including uh, rotting teeth. You mm. know, before before people consumed grains, there was almost no such thing as tooth decay. Interesting. And this was a time, of course, this was a time with no toothbrushes, right. no dental floss, right. no fluoride toothpaste. No
0: dentists. No dentists. No veneers. <laughs> That's You right. know, no Novocaine. <laughs>
1: But when grains were added to the diet, and this was about 10,000 years ago in the Middle East, about 8,000, 4,000 years ago in Central America, about 8,000 years ago in uh, sub-Saharan Africa with millet, when those grains were added, the very uncommon tooth decay, 1% to 3% of all teeth recovered, exploded to 16 to 49% of all teeth showing rot and wow. misalignment, by the way. And so that's why we've been plagued with bad teeth. You know, it's not uncommon for half the country to have lost their teeth by age seventy-five. Yeah, so it's a big problem that we have to address with uh, uh, hygiene. And is it just is it
0: just the is it just the the bacteria that gets fed by the by these proteins in
1: wheat is that is that the is that the key? So it's actually the amylopectin A carbohydrate of wheat that is highly digestible, more digestible than sucrose, table sugar. Interesting. So if you put a piece of bread, for instance, in your mouth and chew it, and if you were to check a finger stick blood glucose, you would see that even before you swallow, your blood sugar has gone up. But that release of sugar from the amylopectin A also feeds the unhealthy microbes in your mouth, and that's why you get a lot of um, the uh, plaque in between your teeth, and you get uh, tooth decay and... All the problems that come with tooth decay.
0: So you've seen this from you know from the studies that you've done, and also from 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 your practice. But almost every every societal change, you know, every every um, like big MP, empire level society has had with it on its rise a staple crop that that rises with it, right? Like that's that's the way that these. These large uh, uh, civilizations have have risen, I mean, and and wheat in in Egypt was was one of them. Um, could it possibly be that like there's just this is a nature of civilized life, and that the the grain itself is not the problem, or or is that uh, it, it, can we really identify that it is these these elements of grain?
1: You make an excellent point. That is the growth of empires, expansion of human population is dependent largely on cheap, available staples. Yeah. Such that the government can control the flow of food. But it was a mistake. You know, it's a mistake that we're seeing now only in light of having had government advice that got it even, further, even more wrong. Right, right. Telling us to load our diets with this stuff. And now we realize... Holy crap, we made a big mistake. Sure. This stuff never belonged in a human diet sure. in the first place. Yet we have 7 billion lives on this planet now, largely dependent on this thing that should not have been food in the first place.
0: Yeah. Uh but I mean, but would uh, I guess we wouldn't have civilization without it. That's the, it, it would you know, look very the, different. Yeah. You're right. So we would be we would have these sort of hunter-gatherer tribes still that may have may or may not have grown larger than they currently than they, than they used to be.
1: Or something like that. So yeah. you're right. Yeah. The advent of agriculture many thousands of years ago allowed such things as specialization and occupation. Yep. Or else you wouldn't be farmers,
0: right? I mean, yeah. you even in you, even in like recent history. You know, over the last a hundred years in in Western society, you see eighty percent, seventy percent of of the workforce being agrarian, moving into now. You know, it's I think it's it's less than ten percent. Um, that that transition is because of the kind of modifications that you're talking about, but that ultimately uh, hurt our health.
1: You know, from where I said, Gibb, where I see people's lives, their weight, their health mm-hmm. transformed by banishing this stuff from their lives. But it does open the question: Well, how do we feed the planet? So right, this that's is- that, this is my point. <laughs> that this is kind of
0: how I'm, I'm circumventing that question directly. But yes, yeah, you can't you can't have the number of people we have. I mean, you're, you're talking about a mass starvation event in order to transition away from this.
1: Right. So we're not talking. You and I can't propose that we legislate a diet right but i think those of us who are aware and understand that all the modern diseases of of modern humans that is tooth decay type 2 diabetes Mm -hmm. obesity Mm -hmm. anxiety ulcerative colitis crohn's disease etc are largely caused by consumption of wheat and grains interesting once those of us who can afford to do so can banish wheat and grains and by the way you can still have pizza and you can still have muffins and cookies but we're going to recreate them Without wheat and grains, we'll pick and choose healthier replacement products that don't mess with your blood sugar, don't cause opioid uh, activation of the of the appetite, and don't have all those other adverse effects. And you can enjoy all kinds of wonderful things, even in social events.
0: I want to transition to to the new book in a second here, but but you talk about replacing those traditional uh, confections, right? Very popular, specifically like in you know in in certain cities, the gluten free revolution, right? And you're talking about different proteins in wheat from gluten. Uh, uh, the gluten itself is not the enemy, but it's these other these other proteins and sugars that that our body treats. People go for these gluten free baked goods. They go for these gluten free uh, you know confections, uh, processed food. It seems to me that they're trading wheat gluten. And sometimes it's wheat without the gluten but it's still it's you're still getting the wheat. Uh and sometimes they just replace it with a lot of sugar uh, to make it more palatable. Um or some other kind of starch to hold it all together but sugar to make it taste better. That can't be the right solution, can it?
1: No, absolutely not. It's sad give that uh, a gluten-free industry has emerged and is 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 growing like crazy and they're choosing awful replacement ingredients typically cornstarch rice flour tapioca starch and potato mm-hmm. flour mm-hmm. these are awful because right. they raise blood sugar sky high more so than even wheat very few things very few foods raise blood sugar higher than wheat mm-hmm. the amylopectin a of wheat among the very few cornstarch rice flour tapioca right. starch potato <laughs> 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 it's almost right. like a cruel joke
0: yeah. right right so i see these people who p- pretend that they're being healthy by eating gluten-free but they're just really eating a high sugar weird like new starch diet
1: Exact. That's why it causes heart disease, dementia, cancer, high blood pressure, many of the same diseases that wheat causes. And so that's a, what we do and what I advocate is avoiding all those processed gluten-free foods. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, an avocado is gluten-free, naturally gluten-free. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a grapefruit is naturally. A piece of lamb or, or pork, that's naturally gluten-free. That's okay. That's where the confusion comes. So
0: what do you it's, replace this stuff with?
1: So let's say you want to make a pizza crust, or maybe you yeah. want to make a muffin. We use yeah. such things as almond flour, ground golden flaxseed, mm-hmm. coconut flour. Cheeses in various forms make good replacement ingredients, believe it or not. And, and for sweeteners, we use the natural, mostly non-caloric sweeteners mm-hmm. like various stevia. forms of stevia, yeah. yeah, monk fruit, allulose, and erythritol.
0: Do you think that the rise in childhood allergies to things—I mean, I you know—to things like gluten and peanuts have anything to do with this genetically modified food
1: that we're getting? I think it's more due to the disruption of the microbiome and that leads us down the reason I wrote the Super Gut book was I saw Smooth yeah, saw... transition there, Dr. Davis. Real smooth. <laughs> so uh, I saw spectacular transformations in health, just with the wheat grain uh, elimination, and by the way, also addressing the handful of common deficiencies, not because of the diet, mm-hmm. but because of the habits of modern life. Right. Like living indoors, not getting vitamin D. Right. Drinking filtered water because you don't want sewage in your water. And that takes out all magnesium. So addressing right. those handful of nutrients also. But then I saw people. This is still that give and have... take
0: with like civilization, right? You gotta feed a lot more people, you gotta have you have to have. Treat you have to treat your water because we don't have these amazing fresh water sources everywhere we go anymore. So, exactly. but, but at the same time, you're, you're missing some stuff. You don't want skin cancer, but you still need your vitamin D.
1: Right, exactly. But then I saw some issues that were persistent for some, for many people. For instance, uh, food intolerances like the ones you're talking about could be to peanuts, or it could be nightshades. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be
0: tomatoes, uh, tomatoes and uh, 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 eggplants. Uh, eggplant. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Could be histamine. Uh, containing foods. It could be FODMAPs, fibers and sugars. And so they persisted despite doing all this. And other, some other issues persisted. People say something like this. I did the wheat belly lifestyle. My rheumatoid arthritis is 70% better. I'm off the biologic. It was costing me thousands of dollars a month mm-hmm. in copays. I'm off the prednisone, but I still have to take naproxen now and then for flare-ups. Why? So I looked for better answers and I found them in the microbiome but the great thing about the microbiome, one, the bad thing is that virtually all of us have massively disrupted the microbiome, mm-hmm. our GI microbiomes, because of exposure to antibiotics, glyphosate, sure. and Roundup herbicide, which is ubiquitous. It's a herbicide, yes, but it's also an antibiotic. I mean, other herbicides, and the fact
0: that uh, the fact that they carved them out specifically in the laws about what you're allowed to put in your food—that that they are an exception, even though the chemical class that they're in are not allowed—is is insane to me.
1: Yeah. It's it's everywhere, they'll give yeah. it. It's chlorinated drinking water, on and on and on. All the things, non sterile anti-inflammatory drugs, stomach acid blocking drugs, statin cholesterol drugs, all these things disrupt the human microbiome. Mm. And as a result, we've lost literally hundreds of species, including very important species. And when you lose those species that were competing with the unhealthy, mostly fecal microbes, right. those fecal microbes Win. Uh, proliferate. Yes, yeah. they won. Yeah. And the curious thing is, and this surprised me, is that many people, by, by my estimation, 50% of Americans have these fecal microbes, E. coli, Klebsiella, Citrobacter, et cetera, climb up into the 24 feet of small bowel, so-called mm-hmm. small intestinal bacterial sure. overgrowth. And what's remarkable about that is once you have this 30 feet, so 24 feet of small bowel, 4 to 5 feet of colon, filled with fecal microbes, some of the breakdown products, these these creatures live only for hours, not for years. Mm -hmm. When they die, they release some of their breakdown products into the bloodstream. And Mm -hmm. that is a process finally validated by a French, now a Belgian group, uh, in 2007. That process is called endotoxemia. But it explains how microbes in the GI tract can be experienced in the brain yeah I've, I've heard more about this yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah that that the, the, you know some cultures recognize it uh, a little bit better and say that the gut is the second brain right that 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 these that neurotransmitters are created in the gut
1: yes All that stuff. absolutely yeah. you get dementia or you can experience this process as joint pains or muscle pains like fibromyalgia uh, or rheumatoid arthritis Or as metabolic diseases like high blood pressure or type 2 diabetes Mm -hmm. or obesity. In other words, virtually all modern diseases have to be reexamined in light of this process because the Gastrointestinal microbiome via endotoxemia participates in all. So if all the doctor does, for instance, is give you an anti-inflammatory drug for your fibromyalgia, your rheumatoid arthritis, he has done nothing to address the cause. And we now know with confidence that many of these diseases are either caused or at least worsened by this process of overgrowth of bacteria. you, You treat
0: the symptom, but you're actually making the underlying cause worse in doing so.
1: Or at least just failing to address the right. whole process, right. because these drugs, like, like these biologics, that cost up to twelve thousand dollars a month, Gib, yeah. a month. Yeah, all they do is interfere with one step in an inflammatory pathway. They do nothing for the actual root cause. Yeah. Okay, so uh,
0: <laughs> this is some real doom and gloom stuff. Uh, so I mean, uh, w- he, my my assumption is based on you know just extrapolating, is we want to cut out a lot of these processed foods, particularly the foods. That are treated with the pesticides and herbicides that you're talking about. That's going to be organic. Whole Foods is going to be the first step, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, how do we begin to rebuild that healthy gut bacteria? I mean, I take I do psyllium husk powder every morning, and I have to say I felt a huge difference in my mood and all kinds of other things. And that's oh great. That's supposed to it's supposed to be uh, the the building block from which my good bacteria comes. Is there it, beyond that? Are there, is there more we should be doing?
1: Yeah, two big things people can do. One is reintroduce fermented foods into their diet. Oh, good. Okay. So these are things that many people kind of recognize, like kefir and yogurts, kombucha. uh, Kimchi is at the top of the list for very helpful fermented foods. Mm -hmm. It's inexpensive. It's very easy to do. Once you do it, once you see how how it's done, do it on your kitchen counter. It takes a few days to ferment something, and it's delicious, and it makes food taste better. But with the... Uh, availability of home refrigeration in the late 1920s, Americans forgot that we right, needed right. to include fermented yeah. foods. Yeah. The other thing I do—
0: Beer is, is fermented. Does that count? Beer is fermented,
1: <laughs> but, but really not that rich in the uh, right microbes you want. Fine, so, fine, fine, fine. So,
0: I was getting happy there for a second,
1: but that's fine. Uh, the other thing we do is we identify lost what are called keystone microbes, very important microbes that, like plankton in the ocean mm-hmm. that whales and jellyfish depend on. You lose plankton, you lose whales. It's right. the same thing here in the GI microbiome. And one of my favorite microbes of all is lactobacillus reuteri. that almost all of us, R-E-U-T-E-R-I, by the way, named after the German microbiologist, Dr. Gerhard Reuter. Well, we've lost that microbe. Even though squirrels have it, possums have it, dogs have it, uh, indigenous hunter-gatherer humans all have it, but we've lost it. Because can we get it back microbe, or do we have to, how do we get, can we get it back? So we can get it back. And what happens when you restore this microbe, one, uh, does two things. One, it sends a signal to your brain. So it takes up residence in the GI tract, sends a signal to the brain to release the hormone oxytocin. Great. The hormone of love and empathy. Yep. So people will say things like, I like my partner better. I like my coworkers better. Mm-hmm. I'm more generous. Sure. I accept the opinions of other people more readily. My favorite. Yeah. But the ladies love it because it smooths their skin. They start to lose skin wrinkles from an explosion of dermal collagen. Guys love it because it restores youthful muscle and strength. It also deepens sleep, extends uh, the period of REM sleep, accelerates healing. So a whole huge... And by the way, so if we're talking about acceleration of healing... Greater muscle and strength, smoother yeah. Fountain skin. Fountain of youth deeper. is what you're describing. Yes, that's what's happening. We're seeing people per- not not back to age 15. No, <laughs> no. But you're are- <laughs> talking about
0: the the like the stress related. You know, we, we acknowledge that there's a certain stress of modern life and stress related aging that goes with it. But what you're talking about is is basically a, a, a an effective blocker on some of those stress related breakdowns that we go through.
1: Yeah, and you can see it on people's faces when they share their selfies. Mm-hmm. At two months, for instance, ladies will see a reduction, in skin wrinkles, smoothing of the skin, more moisture. Okay, so,
0: so how do we? I, I, I I'm salt, salt. I'm in. How do we get it back? <laughs> what do we do so, to begin to build that back
1: up? So now we're conducting. There's two strains of rotavirus. So this is kind of dull stuff. Give, I apologize, but when you play with microbes, you got to pay attention to strain. To illustrate, you and I and your listeners all have E. coli in our guts. Sure. What if you ate lettuce contaminated by cow manure with E. coli? Well, you can die of that E. coli. Right, right, Same right. species, different strains. So we must be mindful of strain. So we know with confidence there are two strains that do this, and those are in the Super Gut book. It, it, it's, they're, they're, these strain designations are a pain. DSM 17938 and ATCC PTA 6475. Of so course, yeah, everybody that. knows that. But I mean, it, come on, it's it, basic it's, stuff. It's all, it's all in the book. We well, got that in elementary <laughs> school. I, I don't know what you were learning in kindergarten, but yeah, of course. <laughs> So we get it from a a, a commercial product called Gastris, BioGaia Gastris, G-A-S-T-Y-U-S. Now I'll tell you, though, we're currently conducting some clinical trials and we're testing other strains to see if there are strains that are better at it than those two strains that we know have those effects. But until I have those data in my hands from our mouse trials and our human trials, what I would do is get those strains from BioGaia Gastris and we do something crazy with them. You can take those tablets, but you'll see those tablets are made for infants. So, the mm. doses are very low. So, what mm. I did is, I took those tablets and I made a yogurt out of it. Not like store bought yogurt. I used prolonged fermentation. So, we get really big numbers. So, we use 36 hours of fermentation. Rotoride doubles. Buck bacteria don't have mommy and daddy in the microbes. Right. It, There's no it, it, sexual reproduction. Right. Yeah. So, they just double. One becomes two, two becomes four. Well, Rotoride doubles every three hours at 100 degrees Fahrenheit. So, I allowed it to double for 36 hours, 12 doublings. I performed something called flow cytometry on the yogurt to count the microbes. We're getting between 250 and 300 billion microbes per half cup serving. Okay. We consume the yogurt and we get these spectacular effects. And not, not, that's one microbe. Okay, but that's, that's one y- microbe.
0: That's one microbe, and that's you, a scientist, who are, is able to do this stuff. I mean, I, I don't trust myself. Uh, or my kids not to touch for something that's at 100 degrees for 36 hours. I, mean, I, I have a, I have a, I have a uh, an Instapot, and I know you can ferment yogurt in that Instapot, and I know I can do all that stuff with it, but uh, I, I wouldn't trust myself to do this experiment on my own or this, this development on my own. So what, what, is, what are, what are the, those of us without access to labs supposed to do?
1: Well, it's actually very easy. You can do it with your instant pot. You can do it with yogurt makers. I do it with a sous vide device, a stick sous vide mm-hmm. or basin sous vide device. So you do need some means of keeping it at hundred degrees Fahrenheit because these most lactobacillus species like a hundred degrees Fahrenheit, roughly human body temperature. So it's it's much easier than you think. The I laid out the recipes, and I also, by the way, laid out recipes for other microbes. Let's say you want to reduce knee arthritis pain. Well, let's ferment bacillus coagulants very easy let's say you want to shrink your waist and reduce inflammation let's ferment lactobacillus gasseri what if you want a healthier baby that's more likely to sleep through the night have 50 percent fewer everybody nutrients. wants that everybody wants that <laughs> go 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 and what do we do for that then you ferment bifidobacter infantis and your child is less likely to become obese a type 2 diabetic and has a higher iq so it's like going to a restaurant kid you know when you go to a restaurant and the waitress hands you a menu. You don't freak out and say, I can't order all these appetizers mm-hmm. in the main dish. You pick and choose the ones you want. That's what we're doing. We're picking and choosing the microbes we want for the effect we want. And when you cultivate them to high numbers as you're doing this, and by the way, it doesn't have to be dairy. It could be coconut milk. It could be salsa. It could be hummus. You can ferment all kinds of things. Wow. And get these high microbial counts, and you obtain these over-the-top benefits. Uh, the book
0: is super gut, uh, a four week plan to re- reprogram your microbiome, restore health and lose weight link to where you can buy that in the show notes, as well as to, uh, bio gastrous, uh, supplement for, which is the main, uh, bacteria that we've been talking about in the second half of today's show. Uh, you can check those out in the show notes guys. Uh, two last questions, Dr. Davis, cause I know your, your time is valuable and we got to go first and foremost, aside from buying the book again, link in the show notes. How can people follow up with you?
1: So we're on social media. My main website, I just, in the last year, have shifted everything over to drdavisinfinitehealth.com. There's a very busy discussion forum. There's my blog. It's, it has over 2,000 articles. There's also something called My Inner Circle, where we have two-way Zoom conferences uh, once a week for a few hours. And we talk at length about these kinds of things you're talking about.
0: Uh, unbelievable. Okay, so folks, uh, link to drdavisinfinitehealth.com in the show notes as well. One last question Dr. Davis and I ask it to everybody what is one thing we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better.
1: Add back fermented foods. It is far bigger than you think. That's amazing. And again uh, you know you, you talked
0: about kombucha and you're talking about you know fermenting this yourself. Can you can we make it easier for people? Can you just buy the kombucha at the store which has a lot of sugar in it and the, the, a lot of the stuff, you know, has sugar in it but does that work or or do you really need to be doing this yourself?
1: No, you're right. You can buy now commercially produced fermented foods like kombucha, kefirs, yogurts, of course. The problem is commercial production, they try to go as fast as possible to mm-hmm. make as much product sure. in as short a time as possible. Of so let's say I buy some fermented sauerkraut, not sauerkraut and brine and vinegar, but fermented sauerkraut or let's say kimchi. I leave it on my counter for a minimum of 48 hours. To let it proceed further in fermentation and increase. Oh, open it and counts. leave it on
0: your counter because because you gotta you, if 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 they're sealed you know you gotta let it you gotta open it right otherwise the process isn't gonna isn't gonna happen.
1: So you loosen the top but leave it on. Okay. Yeah. That allows the gases to escape. You want to get the some, pop. You
0: want to get the pop, but then but keep yeah. the top on. Yeah.
1: That's right. Some fermenting microbes produce so much gas, like carbon dioxide, that you could actually have an explosion if you don't do that. Right.
0: yeah, Yeah. All right. Well, all right. So uh, I, I hear what you're saying. There's a couple things that I'm going to start incorporating into my life, including these additional fermented foods uh, more often. Uh, it's, and again, it's hard to find the real stuff. Like a lot of times you have sauerkraut in brine that masquerades as the real sauerkraut you're talking about. And you've got to find the, the, the fermented version.
1: Exactly. It should say something like contains live cultures or mm-hmm. fermented or some wording to that effect.
0: Dr. Davis, uh, we really appreciate your time today. You've given me personally a lot to chew on, pun intended, uh, and uh, hopefully we can have you back at some point, but thank you so much for your time. Anytime. Be glad to. That's it for the show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast it helps us out a lot follow up with John at facebook.com slash John Tesh he's also on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL I'm Gib Gerard. you can find me at facebook.com slash Gib Gerard or at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter I try to respond to every DM every mention of the show because ultimately I do the show for you guys so thank you so much for listening